Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, and the opportunity to worship you in giving. And now as we look into your word, we ask that it will fall upon the good soil of our heart and that we will grow thereby. We thank you and we honor you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now into our fourth episode of our series entitled, Watch Your Mouth. And this is our final episode. I want to start off with this and says, when our speech is focused on glorifying God, people will come to know the Lord. So we must learn to glorify God with our words rather than worrying about saying things that will impress people. When our speech is focused on glorifying God, people will come to know the Lord. We must learn to glorify God with our words rather than worrying about saying things that will impress people. Our first episode, we talked about you are what you speak. Then we went on to our second episode where we discussed the need for control. And then we went even a little bit deeper in our third episode and we talked about doing one or the other. And now in our final episode, if you will go along with me, I, want, I entitled this one, Empowerment. Empowerment. The first definition that we have today is watch. Watch is to be attentive or vigilant, to keep guard, to keep someone or something under close observation. Your mouth is an opening affording entrance or exit, or it is another term for voice or speech. Empowerment means to give authority to, to delegate power to, to commission or to authorize. And our final word for definition today is gospel. Gospel is glad tidings, especially the good news concerning Christ, the kingdom of God, and salvation. Today we're going to be in Proverbs, the 18th chapter, starting at the 20th verse through the 21st verse in the English Standard Version. And then we're in the New Testament, we're going to jump over there to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, starting at that first verse. Proverbs 18 and 20 says this. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter. 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter, starting at the first verse, English Standard Version says this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lawfully speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will rest upon the good soul of our heart in Jesus' name. Now, if you will think about the first three episodes of our series, you will see the fact that we focused on us disciplining ourselves to have some level of constraint or restraint on the words we say. But sometimes we get so wrapped around on what not to say that we really don't encourage folks what to say. And so today I want to encourage you on what to say. We talked about don't say this, don't say that, don't say this, don't let this happen. But now let's talk about how we are supposed to speak. We're supposed to speak some positive things and the greatest positive thing that we can talk about uh, can, is and can and will be what Jesus has done for us. One of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, says this. He says, imagine finding yourself standing up to make a speech in front of an audience of the great and the good and having nothing to say except some stammering words about a strange thing that happened a few years ago, which you know sounds crazy, but which you just happen to think contains the secret to everything. You'd watch the faces and see a lip curl here, an eyebrow lift there, people glancing at one another with knowing looks, shaking their heads not only at the stupidity of what's being said, but at the insult to the audience to offer them such rubbish. And yet there's power in it. We don't know exactly what Paul meant by brought home powerfully by the Spirit, but it may imply that healing miracles took place. What was more important, though, is that without Paul using any of the normal rhetoric, rhetorical tricks of the trade, people's hearts, minds, and lives were changed. The truth of the gospel carried its own power, and Paul was happy to keep it that way, even though he looked a, few, a fool while he was announcing it. One of my favorite things in discussing Paul and, and how he did his thing was, all I know is I was going to Damascus to persecute some Christians. As I was going down the road, I saw this bright light. This bright was so bright it caused me to fall off of my donkey. I'm laying there on the ground and I hear this voice that says, why are you persecuting me? And I responded, I don't know. Uh, I, um, I'm not persecuting you, Lord. And in the midst of this situation, I ended up blind. And I had to have people take me to see uh, to, to a person's house and 
as I was sitting at the person's house, uh, God comes to me and tells me that the Lord has called me. And then he prayed for me, and then I can see, and that's what happened. Now, to look at this in that type of mentality, we have to remember that Paul went to the best Hebrew schools. He was trained by the leading rabbi of that time. Paul was designed, he was built up, he was on the path to being a part of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish leading schools. But this man who knew many of the languages in the area and he knew and was trained on how to prove his point and to debate his point and to argue his point, all he can say is, all I know is, I was on my way to Damascus. And so it shows how the simplicity of the gospel needs no enhancement. All it needs is declaration. Yes. So if we can proclaim the gospel and not try to make it palatable for the audience that we're speaking to, then we allow the gospel to do its work. Yes. And so we have to really wrap our minds around the fact that we've, we've, we've already talked about that uh, the tongue is this uh, little member, but it can cause great fires. It can, it can do all these things, and, and, and that we're going to, uh, uh, be, as a result of what we say and, and what we speak, we're going to benefit from the fruits of that. And we, we already went through all that, but the, the simplistic thing in all this is, just give the gospel. You don't have to worry about picking up a thesaurus and figuring out what words you want to use. Just tell your side of the story. Now, you may not be able to articulate appropriately with the vernacular that is necessary for the, the expectation of that audience, but if you just say it the way that you feel it sometimes, then it will have the effect that God wants it to have on the people. And if we look at how Paul was talking to the Corinthians, you got you got to remember the, the Corinthians were the 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 highfalutin or or the word that we like to use is the bougie folks of the Christian world. They was all about the gifts and all about the talents. They was all about what I can and what we can and how God is using us. And then Paul comes in there talking about all I know is. And now there's a problem, Paul. We we was expecting you you you've been to the the Yale, Harvard, Princeton of of, of of rabbi schools. Now you need to come in here and lay down some ten letter words on us so that we can understand how we're supposed to be living this life. But you came here talking about all you know is. But then as he said, all he knows is things were happening to the people in the audience as they began to grab hold of 
what it was that he was saying. One of the problems that we have run into in today's society is the fact that we don't want to hear the word until we see a sign or a wonder. But that's not how Jesus, nor that's how Paul functioned. They made the declaration of the word, and then the signs and the wonders followed. Because there must be a foundation established in order for God to come and interact in the lives of his people. So as we look at this in this First uh, Corinthians second chapter, we can see that folks were probably upset with Paul and they were complaining that how come we didn't have a better speaker? How come this joker come up in here and he talking about all he know? We, we, it's got to be something, some words that he could say, a, a, a saying that he could give us, a, 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 a motto that he could tell us, a, 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 a phrase or a slogan that he could give us so that we could run with it. Man, I could talk better than Paul. I don't even know why they even brought that joke up in here. I ain't even been to school. But Paul was bringing out the fact that when you try to use lofty speech, that sometimes you can get wrapped around the axles in what is being said or the words being said instead of what is being said. There does not have to be any oratory tricks or, or maneuvers to be done. All that needs to be said is, this is what happened to me. Yes. Yes. I remember the James Cleveland song said, I went to a meeting one night and my heart wasn't right. But something got a hold of me. And that is what Paul is, is coming down with. He says, listen, I know how to use the rhetorical arguments. But in order for this to work effectively, I just got to be me. I got to remove all these things that you think are great about me and just give you the real, real. He is saying that I'm just, I'm just giving you the clearest, most brightest, no, uh, uh, what's that when you, when you don't have makeup on or nothing? Just to, you just showing the real you. This blank, yes. I'm just, I'm just showing you the basis. I'm just showing you the basic. I'm just showing you the clear. I'm not adding anything on it. I'm just giving it to you. The way I got it. And because of this, it, it, it is thought that because he used this, the, 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 the power of the word that he was proclaiming was causing people to not look at Paul, but to listen to what he was saying and grabbing hold of to what it was saying because it was resonating with them. Sometimes we can say things so complicated and, and build it up so much so that we cause people not to really think about what you're saying but trying to figure out that 
$50 word you just said, and now they're not even focused on what you are saying. They are looking at how I can add that to my repertoire of things to say. And I look at how, but he is saying this thing so simple. There's, there's nothing for you to have to look up. All you can do is listen, hear, and prayerfully apply. <coughs> so Paul is bringing out, he's saying, listen, it's not, it's I don't have to bring up any rhetorical proofs to you about what Jesus has done. I can testify. I can confess for myself what it is he's done. And that experiential truth or proof resonated stronger than if he would have used rhetoric or ways of speaking in order to prove his point. There are, uh, I don't know if you have, have ever purchased a house, but when you purchase a house, uh, it's not like purchasing a car. Purchasing a car, you usually have, you know, maybe about four or five things you got to sign. When you purchase a house, they sometimes have two or three ink pens laying on the table for you when you walk in because you have so many documents to sign because it's got this legal thing and that legal thing and this process, that process. You have all these documents to sign just so that you can say, that's my house. Now, I wish... That it, all you could do is walk in there, shake some folks' hands, and say, that is now your house. But that's not the way things are. Because there is certain processes, procedures that have been established to make sure that that house is yours. Now, they have a process that I, I've, I've been reading and hearing about, about these people when you go on vacation... They can come into your house and they can sit in your house for a certain amount of time and then they have legal rights to your house. Now, I listen, don't 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 ask me about it because I, I, I just read about it. I just like I don't understand this. Anyhow, if I was to come home and somebody was sitting in my house, there would be there would be some coroners called because it's going to be somebody get hurt, and it ain't going to be me. I, so I, I ain't threatening nobody. I'm just saying that's probably what's going to happen. I probably end up going, having to go to the courthouse because, uh, but I don't know how you're going to get in my house. I know I locked him. Okay, I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent. But anyway, my point is this. When we complicate things to try to make it more clear or make it more uh, uh visible, sometimes we can complicate it to the point whereby nobody understands it. Because yes, yes. the squatter rights, I, 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 okay, okay, all right. Because they, they, they just can't come in your house. I just, and then you don't run them off? Okay, all right. Go get somebody to run them off or something, man. Just don't let the folks just take your house. But anyway, okay. Now my notes. Okay. All right. Let me get back to my notes. And so as we look, as we're looking at this, we see that 
Paul is trying to illustrate to us this simple point. A very simple point. And the note that I have says it's interesting to compare possibly the three greatest evangelists in North America during the last 150 years. D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, and Billy Graham. Neither Moody nor Graham was known for impressing audiences with lawfully rhetoric. Frequently, their sermons were deemed simplistic. Now, Sunday was known for a flashy style, but he still preached a very basic gospel message. But all three centered on the cross and the need for personal conversion. As a result, they gave encouragement to millions of down and outers and countless came to the Lord through their preaching. There's a course that we go through in seminary called homiletics, and that is the art or the theory of preaching. And they come up with the process, and you have to say this before you say this, and you have to make these points and you have to do it in this pattern and this style and this is I think that is good for some folks and not good for others. I have met folks that have tried to use the uh, basic homiletical methodology and, and they was more tired of trying to prepare it than they were preaching it because it, 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 it has this way of doing things. But if you can just be yourself and just confess of what God has done for you. Now, I know we've heard of D.L. Moody. I know y'all know that Billy Sunday is the one that started Sunday school. Yes, Billy Sunday, that's what he did. That's how he, he, he went around and grabbed all these orphan kids and started educating them. And then the parents started coming, and that's... How we start having the explosion of Sunday school. And ain't nobody living today ain't heard of Billy Graham. But we all know that they, if you've ever listened to Billy Graham, he was always using a simplistic message. All I know is. And so what we want to do in order for us to empower people, we want to let them know that there's nothing complicated about the gospel. We want them to understand that what the gospel is, is this and this alone. That Jesus paid the price that they could not pay, but it was due for them to pay. And if we cannot help folks to understand that they have a debt that they cannot pay, then they will not understand the need for someone to assist them with that debt. Once we help them to understand that they have this need for help with this debt, we then provide the direction or the method by which they can get the redemption process to begin. And redemption is simply us getting 
payment for that what we owe. Y'all know uh, some of y'all are coupon clippers, and y'all know that y'all when y'all go in, y'all see what it says on that coupon, and y'all turn that coupon in to redeem it for what it says on that coupon. Buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one half off. Whatever it is, that is, you must have be able to present something in order to get the redemption that you are seeking. So in the same manner, because we realize that we have a debt, that we have missed the mark of what God has called for us to do, and that is what's causing all the complication in the world today, but there is a relief, like some of us are celebrating right now, the fact that uh, the, the, the government is saying that you will not have to pay some of your student loan debt back. And some of us are celebrating that. That is a redemption. That is a removal of the responsibility of that debt from you to us taxpayers, I mean, to someone else because of Something that was said. I, 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 okay. That, that, that was a Freudian slip. I apologize. I don't, but I, yes. And so when we look at this, we realize we have this debt, and we realize we can't pay it, and we, we have to go to someone to help us to get relief from this debt. That relief, because it is an eternal debt, has to be relieved on a return eternal level. And the only way that can happen is through Jesus. Amen. Jesus came so that he can be the example for us on how to live on this earth. And because of that, he paid the debt that we owed. Now the problem or the complication that we can run into is that people will tell us, oh, you need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, and elemental P all in order to get this process taken care of. Did you know that there are some people that will charge you, if you're trying to start a business, they will charge you to help you to get your EIN? They'll charge you to do that. Now let me tell you something. If you go on the uh, IRS government website, all you got to do is apply for the EIN and it don't cost you nothing. That's how people will complicate things. They will try to benefit from their, them knowing that you have this need. And so I just want to let you know today that the gospel is simply not having to jump through all these hoops, not having to do all these things. It only requires you to confess that you need the redemption. That's all it requires. It doesn't require you to stop drinking, stop smoking. It does, that is not the requirement. The requirement is for you to accept what it is that you are being redeemed for. You are being redeemed from death and processed or purchased into life. That is the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus has come to redeem us from the penalty of death and bring us into everlasting life. So we run into this question then. So you're saying that if we do not accept this redemption, then God is going to put us in hell. 
Now, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you do not want to accept the gift that you are being given, then that means you don't receive the benefits of the gift. You'll catch that later on. Because if you don't, if somebody says, I bought you a brand new uh, Maybach, and all you got to do is go out there and get it, and you say, I don't want to go out there, then guess what? Your car going to sit out there, and you not going to receive it. It's the same type of mentality. If we receive it, then it is ours. And the benefit of this redemption is that you are now reconciled back to God, the creator of all things, who can now assist you throughout this earth to be an example of his goodness in your life. That's why all Paul can say is, all I know is, I was driving down this road to Damascus. And over time, he was able to say, God has done this for me. And he says, I, no matter what state I'm in, I am content. Because of all that God has revealed to me. And once we have been empowered to understand what the gospel is all about, once, once we are, understand that it is nothing that I can do to get this redemption. All I can do is accept that the redemption has been given. I can't go to church enough. I can't, I can't do anything enough in order to be worthy to receive it. It is a free gift that God gives to us. And I don't want anybody to be wrapped around the fact that I got to do all these things. That, that is not how this works. In order to receive the redemption is simply to accept what has already been done. If you've ever gone to a, a play or to a show, there is what's called the box office. And the box office is where you can purchase the tickets. And if you purchase your tickets before the event, they have this one little station that's called Wheel Call. And when you go to the Wheel Call box, you don't have to pay anything because it's already been purchased. All you have to do is go in there, pick up your tickets, and you go see the show. In the same manner, you don't have to pay anything for salvation. It's already been paid for. The redemption has already been done. All you have to do is go and pick up your ticket. And that is simply the portion of watch your mouth that I wanted y'all to hear as we close out. For the past, four, for the past other three sessions, we've been talking about don't control, build, you know. But I want you to understand that when we begin to rest in and begin to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he has redeemed us and how he's making a way for us and how it, it doesn't mean that everything becomes 
Well, it does. It be, means that things become a rose garden, but everybody knows in a rose garden that every once in a while you bump up against some thorns. And, but the thing is, the thorns do not take away from the pleasantry of the, the look and the smell and the environment of the rose garden. Folks saying, well, I thought everything got that he's going to take everything away. No, it's not a take everything away. It's to make you above the things that are trying to pull you down or to pull you in order so that you can be a witness or an example to others so that they can see your life as the gospel as well as your words. That's what this is all about. Us being living letters, living examples that people can see and hear and watch and know that there's something different about this person. And that they feel like they must have a part of it. Jesus said that it won't be how you dress. It won't be how you look, but it's by the love that you show one to another that people will know there's something different about you. And that's what we want to walk in. Well, I got to close the way I close, and I got to say this. If you've heard this today and, and you're wondering what it is that I need to do, the Bible makes, again, it makes it quite simple of what you have to do. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, the Bible also says this, it says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then it also goes on to say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because this is nothing, no actions, no position, nothing that you can do in order to get in right standing with God. He wants you to accept what he's already done. And so we want to help you along this journey. And if you made that decision today... We want you to know that this is not an individual sport. This is a team event where we come together. The whole body of Christ comes together in order to assist each other in order to be successful in this journey. We encourage, we, we come alongside, we pray, we cry, we do whatever is necessary to help one another to become all that God has designated for us to be. And if you made that decision today, we want to know about it. So let us know either by email. You can email us at info at godshousecc.com. Or you can text us at 864-920-0100. Let us know that you've made this decision. We'll come alongside you, assist you along this journey, because we want God's best for you in your life. Well, friends and family. Episode number four is complete. We are empowering. We're giving folks the authority to accept what it is to be a Christian, to accept what Jesus has done for them. And we can use our mouth in order to assist them along that journey. Next week, 
We have our guest speakers coming in, and then we'll start another brand new series. But until that time, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.